What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Dr. Devin Walker, and I'm here with Javier Wallace, and we are Black with Blue Passports. This podcast explores the impact that international travel has on Black Americans' pursuit of liberty and racial justice. This podcast is sponsored by DDCE Global at the University of Texas at Austin, with support from the World Walker Foundation and Black Austin Tours. All right, cool. And welcome to Black with Blue Passports. We are excited to have Andre and Tiana Pigeot. Am I pronouncing that correctly? All right, excited to have y'all on the podcast with us today. So let me tell y'all, for the viewers who are listening, um, how we met. So my family and I, we're in Tulum. Uh, my daughter, uh, my fiance, as well as my mother, we're traveling around Tulum and we're walking down the street and we see, we're walking behind this family, this beautiful black family. Everybody got dreadlocks and we're all kind of looking at each other like, damn, look at them, like just out here, right? Three little kids. And it did speak to what I was experiencing in Tulum. I had never been around that many Black American travelers ever. I, I felt like there's Black Americans everywhere. And I was super excited. Um, so when we seen y'all, a full-on family, um, you know, that was, that was pretty inspiring and encouraging. And my mom, being the person she is, she's like, I'm going to find a way to talk to them. So she, I don't know, she probably walked up and said something to y'all, maybe about your, the hero or what's up. And ultimately, that's how we met. And, and I was like, yo, I got to get y'all on the podcast because I find it so powerful that you all, you know, you have three young daughters and you you picked them up out of the States and said, look, we on the move. So welcome to the podcast and, and thanks for being here. And could y'all just introduce yourselves and t- tell us a little bit about how y'all ended up at that same moment in Tulum. This is a little about me. Okay. Hello. <laughs> Um, I'm Tiana, uh, and I mean, I guess he'll, he'll say who he is. I'm Tiana, <laughs> and um, no, we ended up in Tulum. It wasn't our plan either, to be quite honest. Like, we were in the Netherlands at the time, and our plan was to not have to survive another winter in the Netherlands. Like, it's dark, it's cold, it's rainy. The, the first year, I think we were able to sit in a certain like uh, window of euphoria because we had just gotten there, we got out of America, we were like, change, you know? And then I guess it was about five months in that whole veil was lifted and it was just like, oh, wait a minute. This is just a fancier box than the last box we were in. Like as far as like the thinking, how the system works, um, the, uh, the ways in which it was oppressive, completely different than in America. So we really had to sit with ourselves like, all right, we gotta renew this lease. Do we need to renew this lease? Like we could also save a ton more money living somewhere that costs way less a year. If we stayed in the Netherlands with the apartment we had, it would have been uh, 24,000 euros just to stay there another year. Just the apartment alone. That's not including utilities. That's not including and anything else. So it was just like, I know there's somewhere else we can be, and it'll cost way less for the family of five to live for one year, you know? And that became the marauder of how we were looking where to go. Yeah. Snowball continues, and then we end up in Tulum. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm Andre, and I basically, currently, as I mentioned
I will say that Amsterdam did provide us a space to kind of even consider a healing process, right? The, the, the kind of faith you have around, you know, if my black body is at least not going to be shot because of the fact that it's black, right? Uh, gives you kind of space to consider things. Um, but it was, again, it is a, you, you, it's still a silly, right? Uh, and that was obvious. Um, in a short period of time, uh, and it was okay. Well, what's the next move? I think I think once we left New York, we just figured we we're going to be this kind of traveling thing, and we always we always had plans of traveling at least you know twice a year, right? Be it for a birthday party or just to get away. So traveling isn't anything new, but as far as like finding a home, right? Uh, once we left New York and got to Amsterdam, we realized okay, this is a home. I'm appreciative for this offering, but it's not a home. We started looking elsewhere. And we actually were, we wanted to go to Accra. I had a family in Accra. That was the place we wanted to go. But then COVID jumped off and it kind of shut most of that kind of traveling down. And they were requiring, you know, visas and COVID tests and the borders were closed at the time. Well, no, it was being the borders. Uh, yeah, the right. visas and the COVID tests. Yeah. Yeah. But the borders were closed and we couldn't go there then. And we had friends in Mexico. Yeah. During that same time, so when we were trying to decide on where we go, and in that window where that door closed, one opened up in Mexico, and I was like, Mexico. Right. And I was like, I don't want to go to Mexico. And then we thought about it, like, okay, he, he, uh, so what are we looking for? What did what did Ghana offer? And then the pillars became <laughs> sunshine, seasoning, low cost of living, and minimal to no white people is how I think he said. More indigenous people. Let's <laughs> <laughs> go, man. Yeah, we're still on. Yeah. Uh, and we'll move over there, right? Uh, and we just start the process. Okay, well, what do we need? Pizzas, or we have the, our passports, and just start the planning. You just yeah. step by step and build, make it work. Yeah. And we end up seeing you, but. <laughs> that was probably like a Monday. Yeah. Not even a full Monday. <laughs> yeah. Brand new field. So yeah. that's how we got to Word, word. So, so let's let's back up a little bit. So, y'all were in New York. But I remember talking to y'all before. One of y'all was from Georgia, or y'all met in Georgia. So, yeah. how long have y'all been together? And did you all travel individually before you met each other? And when y'all were deciding to like, hey, we want to do this family thing, was it always a vision like, hey, maybe we'll live internationally? Like, how did y'all as a couple get to the point where like we're moving this family internationally? Okay, that's a good one. Okay, so when him and I met, we were in Georgia. Mm -hmm. uh, so our kids were born in Georgia. I'm from New York, he's from LA. Um, but we met in university in Georgia. And, you know, we were friends for a while. And it's funny, we lost connection for a bit. And when we reconnected, the, like, I, I came in with like 20 questions. I was like, look, sir, I don't need no new friends. So listen, <laughs> what's your question for? Like, like what's, are you with your ex? Like, I mean, it was just intense questions. Do you have a passport? Because I'm not trying to stay in the country. So if you don't have a passport and you can't be a fellow outside of the country, then we don't need to do this. So the passport question was right up there with the do you still talk to your ex-girlfriend question. <laughs> so this is a, this is top tier of importance. Do you got a passport? <laughs> right. Exactly. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. So, so we basically, yeah, we, we had that mindset. Um, but we also, like, I, I grew up from, right? I moved from 
Florida, you know, twice. Then we moved to Atlanta. So it was already within, you know, my uh, uh, life purview, right, for traveling. So I had no, no issue with that. And I would say that but the same way as far as traveling. And, oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm first-generation American. So my my mother's siblings, that was the only family in America. Like, I, I was the kid born from that. And my, my father's family, they also um, turned in. So I'm first-generation on both sides. Because uh, they came to the U.S. for school. So for me, traveling was, it was always the same because we had no choice. Like, all of our family was everywhere else. Like, they were either in Jamaica, in Trinidad, in England. Because so, I was small, I always had a passport. It wasn't luxurious at all. Like, I mean, we'd be broke in New York and then go to Jamaica and then it's like, oh, and now I have to go and get the water from the well and go to the soap lady to get the soap. My uncle was killed the chicken. You know what I mean? Like, it was, it was very much so different than Brooklyn. Um, but what I what we talked about recently was how much freer I felt with mm-hmm. nothing. Every time I was every time in Jamaica, even in Trinidad, and Trinidad is a little bit more curious in Jamaica with my family in particular. But even when we were there, like I just felt so much freer. And when I started to really feel depressed in the Netherlands with the black sun and all the rain and you know the white supremacy, I was like, you know what? Um, Something is pulling me back to that same core where I just need to be in the sun. I need that same minimal, like, just no distractions besides whatever you consider to be your own person, you know? And here we are. <laughs> yeah. You, you said you just felt freer, and I, I can totally understand that feeling. Um, can you give an example of, of what you mean, um, okay. just feeling freer in another country? So, what I can compare to now is like, um, in the U.S., if you have to get breakfast in the morning, like, if you don't have it in the house, you got to go to the store, and then you got to, you know, peruse through some aisles. You don't even know what you're picking up, but once you bring that food source home, now you cook that food source, it was never that complicated to make a, we get up, Randy probably has some tea for us, and we're outside all day, but we eat all day long because we're climbing the mango tree. I'm an the man of the street, you know, who has a chicken farm, he, you know, barbecues up the chicken back and we can buy the chicken back at like, I don't know, the equivalent of less than a dollar, you know, in USD. So, it, like, it was just so much abundance, especially, and it was so much resource in poverty, in what we call poverty, you know? Like, my, gra- my grandmother didn't even have a bathroom, like a functioning bathroom when we were that came later on in the years as I got older. Like my family spent money to have that filled out, but we didn't have any of those things. And when I tell you the freedom, I couldn't roll the streets like that in Brooklyn. I mean, I kind of did as a kid. That was other I was a lackey kid, but you know, so there was no choice there. There were no, there's no adult supervision. The parents are busy working all the time, so you got to make it from point A to point B. In Jamaica, it was not like that. It was absolutely not like that. So. I don't know, that comparison, I think that comparison so young has made so much of an impact on the decisions I'm making now. So what, whatever this is doing to our kids now, I know it's going to come back and be like, ah, like this kind of release or this like, oh, I already know the answer to this type of thing, you know? So that's how I feel now. But then, I mean, I didn't know. I was just like, okay, I need to run outside and, play and eat mangoes all day. This is fantastic. <laughs> It's like the, the true definition of like organic food. 
right? Yeah. Like not going to the store to get organic food, but like nah, yeah. like the community is supplying the resources. So, so you talk a little bit about you know your your kids going, and I and I definitely want to delve into them for a solid amount of this time, but I'm sure the decision to move your family first to the Netherlands and then to Mexico, and you all moved around a little bit in Mexico, uh, even since we met, right? Um, yeah. What about like, I'm sure there were some challenges, right? And, I, and I'm assuming family and friends were like, no, don't do it. And we're like fearful and scared. Like, how did y'all navigate those challenges? And what were the challenges? Oh man, how do we navigate the challenges? I think it was challenging, but our current situation, I think, was was the motivating factor, right? The the challenges were just to a space where we felt we can feel more free, right? So navigating it wasn't necessarily difficult. It was just putting the dust in a row to make sure that you're preparing and you're planning properly and that you're moving, right? Um, um, would you say as far as any kind of um, I don't know. I, I guess that's just my, my take on the challenges, right? They were they were there, but it was well worth what we were trying to get to, right? Um, from from a girl standpoint, that's where it was kind of difficult uh, because we're taking them out of you know their their social structure, right? And we have an uh, older daughter that's twelve now, and she's in school. She's going to seventh grade. Take her knowing that she's being snatched out of that was conversation that we needed to have. So that was a big challenge. In terms of family, um, this is, I guess, this is a normal, right? Like uh, a family of five moving this fast and like, you know, glow skipping basically, um, it doesn't seem realistic in a way. And it's just the, to me, it sounds like the uh, concern about really fragmenting or, um, uh, not not necessarily fragmenting a family structure, but just the concern that you're 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 leaving a space of um, progression in order to, to take on this adventurous challenge. But for what, right? Is it worth it? Uh, and then having that conversation, explaining why we feel it is, uh, it just I think it, it eases kind of that tension and concern in families, but it, it's definitely still there, right? I mean, we've been in Mexico for over three, four months now, and the fact that we're still pushing, we're moving, and we're able to progress in our own, you know, uh, self-employed businesses and try to do things that we were normal to do within the space that is normal, right? Um, that kind of ease that tension, but it is every day. I think, how are y'all doing? What's this? You know? Well, I mean, with my family, I guess because we we moved around a lot, it it wasn't much of a I don't know. It's not like they were like, oh, great, you're going to Mexico. Yeah, it was more like, oh, y'all moving again? Like, okay, so where are you going now? So how the kids going to go to school? So, what you, so what's the plan? So where are you working at? You know, so if everyone else is, it's like, they're going to project their own fear, right? But there's nothing you can do with someone else's fear. Like, you don't know what their journey is. Sometimes they don't know what their journey is. But if you know that you're feeling pushed to go and do anything, fucking go do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that, that, that intuition is for you. It's not for anybody else. You know, so, and whether you go in, you know, I don't know, some crazy shit happens, that was a lesson you had to learn. Yeah. But you have to be open to whatever lesson is going to come to you. So, I, I mean, I didn't I didn't speak personally to Andre's family much about our move. Like, he had the conversation with him. I talked to 
were concerned. And my family, just because my family, we're kind of like fragmented all over the world anyway. So it's not that shocking. Like, it's more sad. Like, oh, dang, well, I know if you leave, you probably not going to come back. Or, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, now I got to come fly to you wherever you are. You just had these kids, and I want to see the kids grow up. You know, so I know for them, it was more of that. Um, but for your family, I, I'm not sure. But I don't, I mean, but he's more of an empath, and I'm not. So I don't have a block. <laughs> like, I can easily block other people's emotions about things. I'm like, yeah, that's not why I have to do yeah, I guess, I guess my standpoint was, uh, you know, oh, exciting. Everything's going to be fine, right? You can kind of feel the, the yeah, just the uh, concern of yeah. being in a new space. Like, are you going to be able to manage? How are you going to continue to, you know, enrich your daughters and, and, and build this, you know, uh, strengthen your family and, and move forward when you're trying to learn something brand new? Beyond her, you know you don't Spanish, right? Yeah, I know that. But what are you going to Okay, well, yeah, it's something that we, we will figure out. But it's just, it just, it just that mindset, right? Like, like the fear of I figuring hope, out something. Yeah, and it's, I, I pray that you're realizing That's what I feel it's really cool. But trying to stay positive at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's how it's like the, the, the family dynamic of these kind of moves. And this one move in particular, for my own personal experience, mm-hmm. kind of uh, uh, creates this uh, tension or concern, you know? Yeah. So you, you brought up, um, you know, some questions that folks raise around your, your daughters, right? And how are you going to get them educated and who's going to... So can you talk a little bit about the, the education that they're getting and not getting, right? The, the education that they're not getting growing up in the American school system and the education that they are getting traveling? Yeah. Okay. So before, like, I, when, so when Colin and we were stuck in the house in the Netherlands, it's like the minute we were, first of all, the winter was dark, rainy, you know, everything we just described um, a little bit earlier. So as soon as the rule hit, sun is out, it's shining, and we can't go outside. It's like, oh, what is it? So we, and every day it was like beautiful. Like every single day, the day that was like, and you can't leave the house. It was pretty outside. So it was like, all right, so the plan needs is obviously more than that. So <laughs> we're going we're gonna to roll with that. But as we were in the house and it's working on their like online, I was just triggered. <laughs> like every every assignment, I was like, this is what I gotta take from the eight hours of the day, you know what I mean? Like, so that ticked me off. And I felt so inclined to make like a resource list. So I'm like, okay, so if all of these education systems are either extremely commonized or skewed or lying or you know, whatever they're doing to get the machine to continue to work, because they gotta indoctrinate them in some fashion. So if that is what is happening, what other choice do I have but to teach them myself? Hmm. Like, who's going to do it? We came to Europe for better schools, but then all they're going to do is better train my child to limit themselves. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. yeah. So, um, so that was, that was, that was, that was intense for me. But then every day during the, the first uh, lockdown, I was like, just Googling and finding all sorts of like online resources, whether it's something paid. I was mainly aiming for free things. So I was like, first of all, education is free. I don't even know why it's You hear me? But fine. So I wanted to search for as many free resources as I could find, which I did. Then I found a few that were really cool that schools were using to implement into their program. So I was like, okay. So there was some, you know, that was like math, uh, grade level math, and how they teach different grade level math. 
courses and testing and practice for those. So I was like, all right. As, I mean, the list just kept getting longer and longer. And after a while, I was like, okay, we can go anywhere. I feel like I have everything I need for us to be anywhere in the world as long as we have internet. I have a resource for something. And it just happens that any interest they may have, and they show those basics. So it's like, I mean, we both have degrees. I use my whole degree on raising my children. Like, I, I, I don't work in it, even when I was trying to work in it. Like, so I studied neuroscience um, with a chemistry minor, and I was going to go into veterinary medicine. As soon as I left school and I was applying for work, all of it was in marketing. And I was like, how the hell y'all use neuroscience for marketing? That sounds crazy and evil. And here we are, how many years later, the social yeah. level came down, and I was like, see, this is the shit I hope. Because I was like, this sounds crazy. There's no way that what I'm studying is useful to you in your marketing. So that was an issue. Um, <laughs> that was an issue. So let me, let me make sure I'm hearing this correctly. So you're saying that when you were coming out with your neuroscience degree, trying to find work, all the work was marketing work. So basically, how to use your neuroscience to, do, to get into other people's minds to sell them a product. To get them to buy shit. Yes. Yeah. Wow. So it sounds like you got the curriculum, you know, the stuff that we're supposed to learn in school, math, science, English. Sounds like y'all got that down. 
What about the education you feel like they're getting just from being in different spaces, meeting different people, learning different knowledge systems, um, you know, being in the Netherlands to Mexico? Can you speak and have you seen any uh, development in them, you know, thinking outside the box that you can say, oh, this is directly related to the fact that, you know, we've, we've been all around the world? I think, um, I think in the Netherlands, there was a lot more indoctrinating happening to them than expansion. So they didn't learn Dutch. Like, so they speak Dutch, they speak Spanish, they speak a bit of French as well. Um, right. The Spanish is like, like they took some courses here. We just went to a little school nearby and they took some courses there. It's like a month of Spanish and now they like watch TV in Spanish. But as we go out and order food, they are translating for us and they can understand what's going on. Um, so their Spanish is fluent, but they can kind of get around, you know? Um, so that, I, that has been really cool, because they're in the place to practice. But with everything being locked down, there's not that much practice happening. Like, if anything, they're learning that they can explore and find happiness any, anywhere in the world. They're not subject to being in one space to, to say that this is only my happy place. And then, too, there's a lot of accountability that they're learning as well, because there's a lot of conversation about their friends and oh I can't talk to my friends and I can't do this blah, blah, blah. and I'm like I went from Brooklyn to Queens and had to keep in contact with my best friend that was in Brooklyn that was difficult we had cell phones right. it's like we had a house phone and we had the mailman and then I moved to Georgia so it was even further away and I had to figure it out with the mailman you know what I mean and I'm like you have email you have chat and zoom and you have all these resources so if it really means that much and you will use all the resources in front of you. Because a big thing with us is teaching them that the internet is a tool. It's not a toy. So you can either sit on this thing all day and be entertained by it, but then what are you actually doing with your time? So if you're not using it as what it actually, what it really is, which is a resource to you, then it's just a waste of a piece of electronic. It's a waste of your time. It's a waste of your, your mental space and your energy. So what are you going to do? You know, so I think they're kind of working out this, oh, well, I can't talk to my friends. You can't talk to your friends. You're choosing not to talk to your friends. And, and are they finding friends out there? Are they, are they meeting young people their age? I mean, it's got to be tough in the middle of this pandemic, right? Yeah, I think that would be the next piece of what they're learning from all the movement is the adaptability, right? And the vastness of the human experience, right? There's, there's no one culture. There's multiple cultures that are just as dope as your own, but they express themselves differently. And the way that they kind of under, come to that understanding is trying to figure out how to be friendly, right? Uh, what kind of games that they play that are brand new to them, um, the different ways that people might joke around, right? I mean, the fact that uh, we were living in Paya, uh, not too long back, and they, they met some friends there, and they came to get our phones, they could use Google Translate interact with one another, right? And then learning the words based off of what's important to that interaction or to that connection with this new person, right? So uh, they, they are they are meeting friends, they yell at us because it's not food waiting for just meeting another. Right. <laughs> like take a space with kids. That's the biggest thing. They're like, you know what's gonna wait for an adult. Yeah, okay, I, I, I feel you. We're trying to get better at doing that. But um uh, when they do have the spaces and they're meeting find ways to creatively uh, uh, interact with people that are from different cultures. And I think that kind of experience is just, you know. And, and then today they're, they're changing now, like, homo, like they're going into middle school years. 
insurgent, like what even was not expressed. So it's just funny to see, like, even when we did get those together with some kids they made here, they got there, they were so excited to be around the kids, and then only played with each other, just yeah. near the kids. sounds interesting I might want to do this but then of course they're thinking right economics finances how are you all able to survive economically abroad Enjoy the space and heal, right? And set our 
podcast called Get Free. Yes. Can you yes. tell me a little bit about that? <laughs> okay. Well, Get Free is basically uh, all the shit they don't tell you about being nomadic with kids, really. <laughs> it's like, you'll hear our mess up, you'll hear our, our as I call it, our W's and our lessons. So, yeah. I mean, because we've been collecting a lot of L's along the way. <laughs> Let me hear about one of the L's. Tell me about one of the L's. state to watch this.
right? Mm-hmm. That there's no necessary judgment because we're in the same space. We're both trying to find our own sense of uh, sovereignty from our, our temple, right? And in order to do that, you have to express and get that out. And being in the space where you can share that with an individual, knowing that it's only going to build you up, right, is um, a very pertinent aspect of doing all this as well as far as the healing process. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I'm, I'm also the flip side of that is I, I would love to hear about a W, you know, maybe like one of those moments that y'all are like, wow, we made the right decision, right? Like that reinforced to you all, like we are doing the right thing because I'm sure along the journey, you've got to be questioned, like, is this right? Especially, you know, based off your experience in Europe, it's like, oh, is this, is this everywhere? Right. But, but what, what when was that moment when you're like, yo, we are on the right path. We're doing the right things. The universe is talking to me right now. Well, I think for me, it happened right after them. <laughs> the moment of like being like, all right, like I mean, I don't, I don't think we have like a tangible disease besides the fact that I'm my skin looks better and I'm <laughs> like, like my skin looks better and I'm eating food every morning. Like I mean, like that's the tangible, but the part that we have not seen yet is um the the w that we got after now so like there was an incident um with one of our airbnbs and then we ended up having to move abruptly it's on the first first and second episode kind of like the first second episode of the podcast but we had to move abruptly and in the midst of that moving i mean there was so much stress in the moment because it's like damn i thought i had a whole other day we had to pack up our 10 bags yeah. well, i mean not pack get sorted and move to another city that was an hour drive in the car that could only fit the five of us and not our big bag. So it was like a a two trip situation starting at like 11 p.m. with the kids and the dog, finding the dog. So like, (laughs) it was just, it was intense and we were in the car silent. And uh, I was just like, I just need a sign. This seems crazy as hell. I'm like, I'm just like, I just need a sign that I don't know, but like a sign. And as I said that, like the shooting star just fell out the sky. I and I were both looking like, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> and we just kept driving and we were like, damn it, I didn't ask what the sign was for. Like, <laughs> like I asked the sign, but I mean, that to me was a W because it was right as we were sitting there. And it just kind of released so much of the pressure as we were doing this monkey mission in the middle of the night. Like, yeah. it was really it was really impromptu and crazy, but that was enough to be like, all right, whatever. This is just this is just something we have to do. Yeah. Whatever the next thing is. And that was right after we realized that we lost that one thousand dollars. Right. So not only did we lose the thousand dollars, now we have to move family five with ten bags and dogs with the rental car that we had that we'll turn back in in an hour. We got to extend it and ask people to buy it and get them extra day early. And being able to work together to knock out plan after plan in real time, yeah. right? Like each step has to be done um, in right alignment because they could have easily blown up. And like you said, like we turned up the list, yeah. <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. So being able to stay clear-minded and move together in order to make sure that we can do this thing was to me was like, yo, okay, we coming up. Yeah. Right? The way that we communicate with one another, where before the frustrations would take over and now it's like, I'm doing sure that you did you. And no one, you know, it's me. It's like, no, okay, well, okay. well what do we need to do? How do we pour? And that was a, a major win in my eyes. Yeah. Because we got it done. We didn't get to make breakfast until 
Tatum. Uh, it was it was a lot, but it, 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 it managed it. It wasn't like overly taxing, you know. It wasn't like beat up over bridge. It didn't cause any rift in our relationship. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Sometimes just overcoming the L's when you take a step back is the win. And those players are going to be with us no matter where we're at. Um, you know, when you all were talking, it, it, it was making me think of a few summers ago, my fiance and I, Julissa, who y'all met, you know, we were road tripping through South Africa and she's the type of person, she wants to plan everything out. Where are we going next? Da, 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 da. I'm like, yeah, let's just figure it out. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll get off the road when I'm tired of driving and we'll find a hostel or something nearby. You know, we're lost. I find some hostel in some book, don't know nothing about it, call, can't, they don't pick up the phone. So we're like, we're just going to drive there and see. And she was frustrated. And she's like, this is why you don't lead, right? Like, this is why I lead in my very, you know, type A type of way. And we got there, you know, and there's a lot of frustration in the car. And, and you know, we arrived and we ended up picking the spot to stay. It was this tree house. And we like, you know, you had to climb the stairs to get up there. We're in this tree house. And the next morning, there's little monkeys running on the roof. We go out, we're on the little balcony, we're sipping coffee. And there's about 10, 12 monkeys right there in the tree, shaking their head at us, talking, you know, engaging us, right? And it was like one of those moments where I was like, man, like the beauty, the frustration that we had yesterday, but just being able to overcome it and just find a spot to sleep. And now we wake up the next morning, we're in this like sanctuary, it seemed like. Yeah. You know, you never really know what's up next. So it's more important, like what you all are saying is like, how are you all navigating the process, right? The journey and how are you all treating each other through that journey? And that's ultimately what's going to define the the W's. So, So I got one more question before we close this thing out. This has been great. What, do you have any closing words? I'll throw a question out there. You can answer it if you want. You don't have to. If you just have another closing you want to give, but what, what advice would you give to people who are interested in taking a similar journey as you all's, you know, moving their family internationally and, and that, and what is the bigger picture for you all? Do you all want to come back? Do you not? Do you want your, your kid? You said you all went to college here in the States. Do you all want your kids to go to college in the States or are you kind of navigating it as you go? It's kind of as we go, because I mean, before I did have all these ideas, like, oh, you know, they're definitely going to the HBCU, da, da, da. and now I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if any of this is working. I mean, things are like jobs are being automated, like at least 40, 50 percent of them by 2030. So what what are we all fighting to get into this institution for? You know what I mean? It, it's not like it's gonna reward us with anything directly. I mean, there's a lot of things that you can learn, but you can learn it on your own now. I mean, there's so many courses that's available on line that like it, it just things are just shifting drastically and I think we have to stay open to shift. So whatever ideas I had before kind of like went out the window. I would add that my my key hope is we provide them what with what's necessary for them to be self sufficient. Right? Mm-hmm. Like how can I what do I have to offer to humanity to the world? And how can that offering be viable number that individuals are willing to pay for, right? It's just the self-employed entrepreneurial mindset. And if I can impart that, then I'm good. Because our kids, like the two oldest are, I mean, again, you want to pay for it. 
the Mustang for whatever. We already know that's gonna happen, right? Like this weekend, the debt and all the different things. Fucking is great, but I want you to just have all the tools necessary to understand the truth behind how institutional education works. Education works, but if you want to go that route, then you still gain the benefit from what the education can provide, knowing that you're not dependent on it. So this is just knowing that you have options. Like yeah. you can you, you can do some courses at university or even finish at a university, but you can still develop your own business with or without any of that. You know, so know that all of it is for you. All of it is possible. What are you gonna utilize and how are you gonna use it? You know what I mean? Like that. mm-hmm. that's the thing that we're trying to ingrain. I think they're at this whole college thing where they're watching like grownish and <laughs> uh, a different world. Right. That, yeah, I I love what y'all are saying around like you know self-actualization, right? Because what it, it appears that no matter how well we play the game, the rules always change, right? And if the, the game is all right, college, all right, we, we're getting our students into college now, we're we're graduating at high rates but the cost has skyrocketed, right? And yet now we're all indebted, have loans. So then you look up and it's like, well, it's kind of tough to self-actualize when I'm in, in debt, right? And then yeah. now, as, as you're suggesting, you know, now we have a culture, I think in the black community of sending kids to college, right? I think there's some dominant narratives that would suggest that we still don't care about education, which I think can be proven wrong. However, yeah. now, right, it's automation, right? Now everything is, you know, technology oriented so then it's like all right well what is the value of a college degree in this new world because a lot of these degree programs speaking for someone who works at an institution in a university you know they're not meeting the needs of the real world in the moment they're antiquated these systems are a little outdated and they're doing their best for, to hold on and to keep this flow of students which is ultimately a flow of money coming mm-hmm. into the institution but it's like is this what's best for young people is this what's best for students but what you're saying is that if you can teach folks to self-actualize, if you can teach folks to, to tap into their offering, right? Everybody is unique in this world. We have an offering that we can provide to others. And if you can tap into that and find a way, you know, to, to pull out, you know, create a niche based on what you have to offer and be paid for that, right? And be entrepreneurial yeah. in your thinking, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter how the world has changed. Because you can right, self-actualize exactly. in any system, anywhere, right? Because you, you you have the mindset to build it up and to figure it out. And one of the main reasons when I talk about why I study abroad for students of color or any students, I always say is like, you know, you learn how to figure it out. You just figure right. things out internationally. You have to, right? There's no way around it. As you all were talking before, right? You just, you're forced to figure it out. And I believe that is a huge asset to young people as they yeah. as they mature into their adult life, just the confidence in their own ability to figure it out despite the context, despite the ambiguity, whatever it is. And I think y'all are a, a walking, living testimony of that. Um, so thank you so much for this conversation. This has been great. Um, how can people follow you, listen to your, your podcast? How can they get up with you? Okay, so uh, our... What, the Instagram handle is at Frick, Frack, and Fran. Um, at Frick, Frack, and Fran? At Fran, uh-huh. Okay. And, and then our Patreon is Frick, Frack, and Fran's parents. And we have, like, videos to go along with, like, our podcast. So, um, and the, the 
the podcast Get Free is on all the radio platforms. Yeah. Okay. And that's just yeah. Get Free. That's easy to find. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, well, thank you all so much for your time. Thank you for, you know, engaging me and my family on the trip. Um, we, we often talk about y'all here in our own household. Y'all are inspiring. And I'm so glad that y'all are able to hop on this podcast. And I'm hoping once we do get this released, you know, some folks, some families are really motivated by you all and are able to, you know, take that leap of faith into their own journey, right? Into whatever it is that they want out of this world. Uh, so thank you so much. Any parting words? Yeah, I would say just, yo, be confident in yourself. Yeah. Like, if you if you have the idea, you have anything about doing something, there's a reason, right? It's for you. And it's more so having the confidence, not to say that I'm going to go and take over and overcome all this, but just to plan and consider, right? And figure out what the steps are. Because if you can figure out those steps, and if you're confident in yourself, you can overcome them. I mean, 100%. That's the biggest, that's my biggest lesson of all, is realizing that uh, I didn't give myself enough credit for things that I thought I could not do or really wanted. It's only because, as we talked about, when you're in these spaces, you have to figure it out. And from my own personal experiences, this experience uh, in general, uh, and specifically, it's the adaptability of human beings, right? That's like one of my greatest traits. And you don't, you're not able to exercise that unless you put yourself in new situations. Um, so if you're thinking about moving abroad, you're thinking about you know, big family, well, it's possible we're doing it. Um, and you're able to do it too, man. Just have confidence in yourself and it'll be possible for us. And hit it up, it's lonely. You're right. <laughs> we can find other people with like minds. Like I mean, there's always a community to connect. That is what you should remember. You yeah. always have a community to connect. Mm. You don't have to be worried. You have to be safe. Yeah. They're everywhere. We're everywhere. Black people is a global people. Yeah. Right? Exactly. And that's that's what it is. Thank you, Andre and Tiana Pijot. Y'all killed it. Uh, thanks for joining us on Black or Blue Passports. And we are out of here. Thank y'all for checking out another episode of Black with Blue Passwords with Javier Wallace and Dr. Devin Walker. Make sure y'all follow us and check us out on social media at DDCE Global, World Walker Foundation, Black Austin Tours, Afro-Latino Travel, and keep this conversation going. A special shout out goes out to our production team, Sophia Leal and Sydney Cox. Hey, be safe, y'all, and we'll see y'all next time.